Welcome to another Ravel Rant. You're stuck with me today. My name's Jessa. Santiago is off celebrating his birthday, as he should be. And I'm going to get into this week's main rant in just a second. But first, I've got to vent about some chicken sauce. (laughs) That's right, chicken sauce. You know, I was making hot chicken sandwiches for my family for dinner, and I went into my cupboard, and for some reason, there was both a can of St. Hubert's gravy and Swiss Chalet gravy. This is very specific to Canadians. Anyone outside the country is listening and have no idea what I'm talking about. These are like competing rotisserie chicken mainstays in Canada. And just to be silly, but also to help me choose, I, of course, went to the internet, took a picture, put it up, asked people to vote on it. Everything was going well. It was quite evenly paced, to be honest, until Bob Chandler chimed in, of course. (laughs) Any idea that we had free will disappeared when Bob told me that both St. Hubert and Swiss Chalet had in fact been purchased by the same company. So I don't even know which one we ended up choosing because frankly, who cares anymore? So yeah, thanks. Thanks, Bob. And of course, late stage capitalism. I'm sure you can all relate. But what am I really here to talk about this week? What's got me riled up? Obviously, it's Doug Ford again. Of course it is. Last week, Ontario's Solicitor General Michael Kersner announced an end to mandatory coroner's inquests into workplace deaths at construction sites, specifically. These inquests were previously done on a case-by-case basis. They were meant to look at each death specifically and find and issue recommendations. This was supposed to have a preventative measure built into it, right? So that it wouldn't happen to the next worker. Doug Ford's now going to replace this with a annual general review of all deaths in the industry that year. That's about 22 deaths a year now in Ontario that are all going to be lumped into one single process, a process that isn't entirely clear right now, and their job will then to be to provide recommendations that people either listen to or don't. Now, I'm not going to pretend that the inquiries that existed were ideal or that they were in any way preventing workers from dying on the job because we've seen these numbers actually go up over the years. The process was a joke. It is a joke. Unfortunately, the province does have plenty of evidence behind them that something needed to be done. And if it wasn't for their complete disdain for workers and their lack of track record of making any of these sites safe, one might buy into the reasoning they provided, right? They're telling us that they're looking to ease pressure on coroners to get more timely recommendations. Timely is an issue, right? Like if you're looking to prevent workers from dying in a similar way, we can't take 12 years to find out what happened. And that's exactly what happened if folks can think back to Christmas Day many, many years ago. Four workers lost their lives on a swing stage when it collapsed. They weren't harnessed. Most of them were not harnessed. And in the end, a site supervisor that survived the accident was the only one that went to jail. The company was fined less than a million dollars. And finally, the coroner's inquest took place 12 years after the fact. It did issue recommendations that Ontario has since adopted in terms of heights training, harness training, workers how to, you know, work on roofs safely by strapping themselves in and whatnot. And they have to take this annually and get recertified. And so changes did take place. But I mean, 
fall from heights still account for 20% of workplace deaths. So you can imagine it over those 12 years that folks were waiting to find out what really happened and to, to issue recommendations. There was 12 years where 20% of construction workers who were dying on the job were still dying from the lack of training or workplace proper workplace attitudes around working at heights. So, you know, there's no doubt that something had to be done in order to speed things up. But you have to also keep in mind that Ford has made cuts to the coroner services. So it's no wonder that there's such a backlog. And one has to imagine how they can look at 22 cases, some years more than that, and properly determine exactly what went wrong and find constructive recommendations to make prevention happen. But like I said, this government has done everything possible to actually make construction sites less safe. So it's hard for us to believe that this is in the best interest of workers if it's coming from them. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. And I'm sure it won't surprise you that most, if not all, of Doug Ford's changes to the Labor Act and how the Ministry of Labor functions has completely favored employers over workers, which obviously flies in the face of reality, where we know massive interventions are sorely needed to protect workers from exploitation, from that power imbalance that exists, that's so obviously exists. Ford has made it easier to misclassify workers under pay them. He's made it harder to bring complaints forward. And he's just provided fewer resources to ensure workplaces stay safe. Doug Ford's been particularly cruel to the construction industry workers. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. He starts off by pretty much dismantling the Ontario College of Trades and taking all of the things that they were responsible for underneath the Ministry of Labor. And the College of Trades was far from ideal. But bringing it inside the ministry means workers will not be involved in any way. This includes safety issues, uh, certification requirements. All of this will be decided by a minister who will not necessarily have and most likely will not have any lived experience in the trades. He's also cut over $16 million just to the Ministry of Labor overall. This is a department that is specifically tasked for looking at occupational injuries, illness, and death prevention. One of the worst bills to pass for the construction industry was Bill 47. And like all of their stupid bills, they have the worst names. This was the Making Ontario Open for Business Act. So there was a lot amended. It was under this act that the Ontario College of Trades and Apprenticeships was dismantled and redistributed. But one of the things that also happened here was that they changed the ratio between journey persons, you might know them as journeymen, uh, versus apprentice for the trades. He, for all of the trades, he set it at one to one. So obviously, again, this is a move to allow employers to save on labor costs because what they'll do is they'll be able to hire more apprentices than they had previously at a lower rate with fewer obligations to retain the more experienced journey persons who obviously get paid a higher rate. And the purpose of the ratio wasn't just to protect the seniority of workers who get paid more, but it was a safety mechanism. These are inherently dangerous jobs. A construction worker is the single most dangerous job in Canada. What journey persons do and what that experience does is the apprentices, they keep the apprentices safe. At least that's the idea. 
the more experienced hands you have on a project, the safer those apprentices are, the safer the whole site becomes. Now, a four-person and like the one safety worker on site are not enough eyes to make sure that each worker is doing the things that they're supposed to be doing in the correct way. A lot of these folks, a lot of these apprentices are doing very dangerous things, sometimes for the first time. Advocates within the industry were very cautious of a one-to-one ratio. However, it didn't really have the backing of the unions like they're supposed to. Notoriously, the unions that represent construction workers here in Ontario are are all in the pocket of developers. Their interests don't really differ from developers at all. They do so little for their workers. Worse, we often find them campaigning or endorsing conservative candidates like Doug Ford. So, Unfortunately, construction workers aren't very well represented by the people that are supposed to be protecting them. And they're sure as hell not being protected by Doug Ford and the Ministry of Labor. Because in the year where there were the highest amount of deaths, 25 construction deaths here in Ontario, and that's just at construction sites specifically, there were over, in that year, there were over 6,000 complaints made to the Ministry of Labor in relation to workplace health and safety. And only four work refusal orders were issued. So that pretty much means the Ministry of Labor only found there were four sites in all that year in all of the province that didn't, that weren't safe enough to be working at. This is despite 25 workers dying and the injuries in the tens of thousands. So although we tell workers that they have the right to refuse safe work, that isn't the reality. So on top of the Ministry of Labor pretty much ignoring most complaints, we all know that reprisal is the reality of a workplace as well. That being the person to complain or to issue a complaint, to ask for safer conditions on a work site is not going to get you brought over to the next job. It's not going to keep you with your crew. And so the workplace attitudes that exist on construction sites really do play into it. And so it's absolutely essential that folks continue to look at the mechanisms that exist in these workplaces in order to lower those deaths. Another way that Ford has really shown his disdain for construction workers, or rather his proximity to developers, because folks need to understand construction is a huge industry, Canada-wide, globally, I'm sure, but in Ontario, this is like a $50 billion part of our GDP. It's it's about 8% of the Canadian GDP overall. And so on top of Ford being really close with these developers, it's essential the way that we structured our economy. So when the premier pretended to lock the province down in response to COVID, he ignored the construction sites. He deemed them almost all essential. Uh, Even parking garages and condo buildings were continually built with very little safety precautions added to them at all. I've described on another episode how you would go to some sites and, you know, it's a tiny shared washroom, a porta potty quite often. Hot water and soap aren't exactly easily readily available. The mask mandates were not enforced. And so construction workers have been left particularly vulnerable during that time. And as with all of the other things that have occurred with construction industry, the union has not been particularly helpful to them. And the way we pick our rants is, has us most riled up in that week, right? I can't possibly fit into 
an episode, all of the things that I'm upset about. But this one hit particularly close to home because of the amount of years that my husband spent at construction sites. He was a carpenter on large commercial builds, sometimes residential builds, but always, almost always high rises. And workplace injuries and death are commonplace on the construction site. There would be no shortage of stories. And in fact, it wasn't all that long after he started while he was definitely still an apprentice that my husband was sent to the hospital with a massive cut on his leg from some power tool close to some artery. And, you know, it really shook him. That was very soon after he started and the small injuries were constant. And in fact, you know, he's on disability now. But death was also something that he witnessed on the job. Not super up close, thankfully, but, you know, one was from falling debris at the site, not secured properly in a gust of wind falling down below. And the second was a worker crushed by concrete forms that they had been building, just as my husband was on the other end of the same site at the same time. It really impacted a lot of the workers there for obvious reasons, uh, but some workers had to continue working almost right away. The immediate site was closed off for a short period for some investigative process, but it was a three-tower build that resumed the next day. A small fundraiser, I remember being held amongst the workers. I don't know of any outcome of any inquest, which probably hasn't even happened yet. And I don't know what kind of compensation, if any, the family received or what honors were provided to that worker from the province. But that isn't the case when all workers die on the job, though, is it? It's not the case when cops die. We see elaborate funerals, closed off streets, news reports might even be televised live. It's attended by dignitaries, right? It is, it is an occasion. There are really no expenses spared. Now, most police forces actually refuse to disclose how much they spend on police funerals, but the CBC was able to find out that one police services spent about a quarter of a million dollars on one funeral. It was 240 something thousand dollars, and of that, $191,792.56 went to pay cops premium pay just to attend the funeral. And that's really ironic, especially when it occurs even under governments that pretend to be penny pinchers of sorts. One has to ask themselves why. Why the province, why the police forces make sure to mark these deaths in a very elaborate way and issue recommendations and funding and training associated with making sure that doesn't happen to another cop. Some of you will have an answer, obviously. You know that it's because in large part, their power, their ability to exploit us, is maintained by the presence of a police state. It's important that the police are seen as important, as an essential service, as heroes, in order to keep up the entire illusion. It's also important to maintain these police budgets. We will fund heroes. We will spare no expense for police budgets that actually protect the powerful and the system that benefits them. But the cost is the tell-all reality though, right? Because under these austerity regimes where conservatives will cut any budget in sight, often arbitrarily with no thought of consequence, they continue to increase police budgets. 
and spend a fortune on their funerals. Police is like the 17th most dangerous job in Canada. It's somewhere between electricians and auto mechanics. So no one's saying it's not dangerous at all. I mean, these are typically hyped up individuals running around with weapons in fast cars. So I'm not surprised that they're in the top 20. But if you compare them to the folks that they're on either side of there, they have double the median wage of the trades folks that face far more dangerous circumstances. You know, your median wage for a construction worker in Ontario or in Canada is about $22. And for a cop, it's 46 Obviously, that's a median, so they get paid lower and higher than that. But, you know, it's just the way that we put them in prominence, both in what we pay them and how we treat their safety. These folks are provided with extensive, continuous training and all the safety equipment and weaponry one needs to storm a small city, while the rest of us can't even get fucking paid sick days during a pandemic. And none of this, none of this is unique to Ford and his progressive conservatives. All of our governments are making policy choices that have led to lowered life expectancy in Canada, right? In the last three years, that number has gone down. And that is because our so-called leaders do nothing but facilitate the needs of capital in the most reckless ways, like ending mandatory coroner's inquests into construction deaths. But I think one of the things that we need to get used to in this late stage capitalism is the removal of all facades, right? The masks, as they say, are off. And the policies we are seeing and the global carnage we are witnessing are all evidence of that. There is no hiding their indifference to the suffering of the working class. And as with almost all of the issues facing us, the only solution is organizing, organizing, and more organizing. So until next time, keep organizing. That is a wrap. A very big thank you to the producer of our show, Santiago Halu Quintero. If you'd like to help us continue disrupting the status quo, please share our content. And if you have the means, consider becoming a patron. So until next time, keep disrupting.